Well, everything was suspended. That's what it felt like for me. Normal life as such had been suspended and it's all all hands on deck and let's just try and help as many people as possible, really. Welcome to Rebel Women. I'm Esther Freeman. Usually, I would tell you that this is a podcast about troublemakers, but Chris Christie works with community groups and the police in areas of high deprivation. When lockdown struck, she had one major concern. So I am a volunteer with um, a resident-led organisation called William Morris Big Local. It's local to this area, um, St James, which is just the next ward from us in Waltham Forest, um, have their own as well. But it was money given from the lottery because there are certain parts of this area that's areas of deprivation. So money given to residents for residents to improve theirs and their neighbours' lives, really. So I volunteer, I've been volunteering for that for many, many years. I also um, volunteer with the police as well. So there were lots of different conversations I was hearing and people speaking. But my main concern was how people of an older generation were going to get food and the shopping. Prior to the pandemic, Chris had been working on the Priory Court Estate, which is one of the most deprived areas in Walthamstow, East London. When lockdown hit, she knew the community would need help. We had plans to do a birthday event for William Morris' birthday, who is um, a major figure around here. You know, so we were all geared up, and that was March the 24th, and sort of, and then we slowly had to come to the realization that we couldn't do this event which then just kick-started a whole lot of other conversations. You know, if we can't do this event, how are people going to access food? People who struggle from home, how are they going to get help and stuff like this? What was really nice is that the community just came together organically as well. So many people just got up and started doing things which... You know, then us as an organisation, we just helped with uh, flyer, you know, flyering, printing costs and stuff like this, and and just being sort of a supportive arm for all these local residents just getting up and doing things. Chris knows her family has advantages others don't, which motivates her volunteering. I've always grown up knowing that I, I'm I've been very I'm in a very privileged background or a very privileged position in life. My kids are quite privileged in that, you know, they have a very strong bolshie mum that will go and find out opportunities for them and, you know, find out youth clubs and find out, you know, swimming and karate and all of these things. So, you know, I was always very aware that, you know, there are many other children and families who who didn't have that access either through they were busy or English as a second language or everything so you know that that, that's always been a motive in in what I do and how I volunteer. She had other reasons to volunteer during the pandemic. 
you know, I really wanted to give back because I was very aware of when my family and I struggled for food and, and we could, you know, cost of living, etc. Because uh, we made some bad business decisions. And so, you know, it was the food banks that kept us going. And I know that the um, just ease of mind that I had, knowing I had food to feed the kids. And again, that was my motivation during the lockdown, because I could just imagine, you know, so many families stressing and worrying that they didn't have food. So, yes, yeah, so I made it a mission of um, trying to deliver food parcels to as many people as I could. Chris started doing shopping for people, but this didn't last long. I did try and do the shopping where you go to a shop and, and shop, but I just really struggled with that. I don't know why, but I just really struggled with actually shopping for other people because I'd always get stressed about, oh, my God, they don't have, you know, Volvic, will they accept this? And so, yes, I, I found that very stressful. So I, I, I did that for a few weeks, but it didn't really... It was something that I found a real struggle. She started working more directly with food banks, including sourcing stock from local supermarkets. I'd go and pick up food from Tesco's, I'd pick up food from Hornbeam, any sort of local shops, so the shops along Forest Road, I'd go and hassle them and say, give me food that is kind of going out to date within the next week or so, and bless them, I think I'd browbeat them into giving me lots of different things. One of the main food banks Chris worked with was Plate For You Al Suffer, which was created by Sarah Mia. You can find her story in our online exhibition. See the show notes for a link. Plate For You accept referrals from professionals such as social workers and GPs, but you can also just walk in off the street. Nobody is turned away. They've been recognised for their humanitarian work locally, nationally and internationally. Chris's relationship with them predates the pandemic. I do what I did really enjoy before the pandemic is once a month on a Sunday they would invite everyone who comes to the food bank for a lunch and I really enjoyed that because for at least not I don't think a year I'd say sort of you know just under a year every on the Sundays I could I'd go uh, either take my child or I'd go myself and I remember when it was my birthday, I, I took my birthday cake and shared it with everyone there. So, But it was nice because you were helping serve food, but a lot of it was just about chatting and helping social isolation. So you meet some real interesting characters and people of all nationalities, people who spoke hardly any English to, to people who, who would rub your ear off because they just needed someone to, to chat to. pandemic hit this service could no longer continue so they switched to deliveries chris got herself on the rotor and every friday went to the food bank piled her car high with bags of food and began her rounds 
As the service users already knew her from the Sunday lunches, she was someone they could trust. She was also able to provide practical support to older people. I used to go to the door, but what I used to have to do is I used to have to mask myself. Because they were older generation, they wouldn't be able to carry the box. I'd knock on the door, they'd come in, and then they'd back off and go into their front room, and then I would go and deliver it into their kitchen and then come out. Because, you know, I just felt they couldn't lift this box up and, you know, say yes, that's what we'd have to do. For 11 months, Chris continued her deliveries, often standing on the doorstep for a chat to break loneliness and isolation. For some people, she was their only point of social contact during lockdown. While they already knew her from the lunch club, the pandemic helped deepen their relationship. Many of these friendships still continue today. So, yeah, two of the people I, I delivered to, they got married, which is lovely, because they realised during lockdown that they were meant to be. The others, um, their mobility has got a lot worse. So I speak to them on the phone, don't necessarily go and see them. But I met them all at the wedding, which was a couple of months ago. And I've been meaning to go to the luncheon club. I try and go at least once a month. I used to try and go quite at least once every couple of weeks, but I haven't been able to do that for the last couple of months. So I need to go back and restart the luncheon thing. So, yes. As this series has documented, the 2020 pandemic saw a huge surge in community volunteering. Chris marvels at the way people came together to help each other. It just blew my mind, the willingness of people just to help. In fact, I gave a a radio interview during the pandemic and that was one of the things I was saying, that just the way that our community just got up and without really a thought for themselves, I just thought, I'm going to help. So many, you know, I'd say tens of people would just, and they'd all have their own little roots and and go and deliver, really. And Sarah and her husband and her family, what they did, selfless, absolutely selfless, what Sarah did and her family. And that, you know, during the pandemic, I don't think they had any time for themselves. They were always getting food from places, expecting deliveries, having deliveries at their house. It really blew my mind how people just volunteered and got up and just did things, really. Chris noticed that a lot of volunteering was led by women. There were definitely men doing it, but, yeah, women did lead a lot of the projects and a lot of the things, like Priory Court Food Bank is led by women and... They're the ones that advocate for it. People went way beyond their job, way beyond their capacity to help during the pandemic. So, yes, there is this amazing woman and her husband. She's a doctor. She's the one that set up the mutual aid network. And I think she was heavily pregnant at the time. Chris is referring to Ain Satar, whose story you can find in our online exhibition. People, you know, especially women, just went way beyond... What I think is just... Capacity is the wrong word, I apologise for using it, but it's just way beyond what they would have been doing normally, if that makes sense. Despite the 
the huge contributions of so many, most volunteers have never been properly thanked. Chris wants that to change. There's so many unsung heroes. Um, in fact, I was speaking to one of the staff at where I volunteer, and I was saying that, you know, for our AGM, I really, really would like to have a focus on the unsung volunteers because it's they who made a difference. You know, so many people have done things and don't get me wrong, they get a thank you or whatever it is, but just to acknowledge, you get the most, you get a lot of people who, you know, are very good at putting themselves on social media and so you know what they've done and fair play to them because they've done amazing things. But on the other flip side, you have a lady on our road who has looked after this couple for for so many years. She would just go and visit them and sit with them and chat with them and, and she's an unsung hero in my in my books. So we all clap for the NHS because they you know they're staffed it. But I think as a collective we have not said thank you to all the unsung heroes or women who just got up and did things. In some ways this is why I wanted to do the oral history because I think it's really important that we and the future generations see how there was such an outpouring of help. like to hear more stories of lockdown legends then please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and help celebrate these unsung heroes by sharing this podcast with a friend there is also our online exhibition where you can discover Syrah and Ayn's story and watch our short film there are links for both in the show notes we have two more stories of lockdown legends coming up so join us next time on rebel women